You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. We ask our YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. To get an isolation with the, with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim, live in Green Bay. Just going to talk a little Packers this evening for you. Um, Tim, how was your day, man? Great. Got some stuff done around the house. Uh-oh. Did a little relaxing. Just ate a big old dinner and uh, – Trying, trying to fall asleep on the pod right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe we'll make it a quick one or not. We'll see how it goes. But we've already got a herd of people here in the chat. Appreciate y'all swinging through this evening. There's one comment we're going to kind of lead off with here. Peter Stone said, hey, Clayton, I heard a rumor that David Bakhtiari is possibly going to retire. I want to know if you heard anything about it. Uh, you, you know, sure Peter, about I that? Heard... <laughs> you sure about that? I haven't heard anything, to be honest with you, Peter. Um, now, there was – some other people that were talking about it was said on the green 19 podcast. Now I haven't heard this specific episode of the green 19 podcast. If spoon was on there, Tom Silverstein, um, if he was on there and he either said this or he didn't shoot it down, there might be a little bit of merit to it because he's plugged in pretty tight with uh, obviously with Goody. And, and you guys know how I feel about that. To me, it seems like, Spoon is the one media member that's really he's kind of the mouthpiece for the organization. If Goody wants something out in the media, he tends to send it through Spoon, right? At least that's the vibe I get. And I could be I could be a little off base there, but people I've talked to in and around the building, they pretty much go like this when you say that. They won't say it, but they kind of nod like that's pretty accurate 
assessment of the situation. So with that being said, here's a tweet. Now I have to throw this out here. I want to give the person credit for it, but also I want to mention he's got like 83 followers. So this could be my uncle Bill with a burner account. All right. So just keep that in <laughs> mind, but it's at underscore follow the G and it was roughly 10 hours ago said, listening to the green Knot team podcast about a week ago and Tom Silverstein, the fact that he tagged Tom, to me says a lot rather than just mention him. It's like, it's almost like, Hey, look, you know, you said this type thing. You know what I mean? Um, for what it's worth said something very interesting when talking about David Bakhtiari and if he be back Silverstein said, quote, I don't see any scenario in where he's back. I don't, everybody knows they're going to cut him. So wow. this yeah, if Spoon Those actually, are in quotes too, so he's saying he said this. Right, right. If if Spoon actually said this, then yeah, probably a pretty good chance Bach ain't going to be back, right? Um, because again, like I said, Spoon is is very very plugged in. Um, I've already closed out Twitter. I would go and see who that one comment was. It might have been Spoon giving him the bird saying I didn't say that. <laughs> Nonetheless, if he did say that, then uh, there's probably some some merit to the rumor, right? But uh. There is a chance that he's looking at it going, who? <laughs> yeah, he could be like, why are you tagging me? What now? Who? Um, you, you guys know where I stand. It, for the right price, I'd like to have Bach back, right? But it's going to take a pay cut. And who am I or anyone else to tell Bach he needs to give money back, right? So really what you got is you take a pay cut and make it a little more worth it for the Packers or the Packers just cut and move on and free up roughly – 19 and a half, 19.8, right at $20 million in cap. So there you go. Doug says in the chat, withholding box decision would be 40 level chess. There's value in withholding that intelligence. Okay. He also said it affects draft decisions of others. That's a very good point. And I think what Doug's saying there is if other teams think Bach may come back and play for us, then they may be a little more likely to pass on a tackle if they're drafting ahead of us, right? Because they're thinking, yep. hey, Green Bay prop, they're pretty pretty well set at tackle. Um, it doesn't, you know, obviously if you got someone high enough on your board, it doesn't matter anyway. But that's a very good point, Doug. I think that's very well said, man. Um, so I don't know, man. We'll see. Uh, you know, when we talk about timelines and everything, uh, one of the timelines we're kind of working off of, obviously February 17th last year was when Aaron Jones – signed a four-year, $48 million contract. This was in 2021. Um, it paid him a $13 million signing bonus and features $11.11 million in base salary. Now, that wasn't the restructure, although right there it is. Okay, yeah. So 2-17-23 was the restructure. Okay, so that is correct. Yes, that, that was the restructure. Packers restructure Aaron Jones' contract, and then it just talked about the original contract being – signed in 2021 so we mentioned that because that's what roughly seven days away right tim so that would be around saturday or sunday of next week you may see it as early as then aaron jones restructuring that contract again i think we're all pretty well expecting it although i'm cool with paying him the 17 million uh cap hit simply because he's so valuable right we talked about that earlier in the show i don't think there's any packer fans that are saying no we need to move on from aaron jones but I think there will be some money shaved off there. We had mentioned some of the cap numbers earlier in an earlier pod, and I think the number we came up with with Aaron Jones was you've got a total cap of about 11.3 that you could shave off by converting uh, base salary and roster bonus to signing bonus. We said 
we think it's pretty realistic they could free up half of that, whether it's partially pay cut, partially, uh, you know, forming it into a signing bonus. But roughly five point six million you could free up if you cut him outright. You would free up five point two. So I expect them to free up five to five and a half million with Jonesy most likely. But I mention that because if if they are going to restructure David Bakhtiari's contract, then it's going to happen around that date, and I think that's a very very important date. So um, just something to kind of keep your eye on around the seventeenth which, like I said, about this time next week, um, we should probably know something as far as Aaron Jones, uh, David Bakhtiari. And the reason being with David Bakhtiari is they if they if they don't restructure it around the 17th or a little later, the longer it goes, more likely it is that they're either going to trade him or cut him. And that will go all the way up to the wire to the time that Zadarius Smith was cut. Let me top that in real quick. Let me go ahead and get your take on all this real quick, Tim, as I look that up. I'd like to know um, when Zadarius Smith uh, uh, was cut from the Packers. But um, I'm, as far as Aaron Jones, like we can't say it enough, right? We want him back. I don't you know, really care about the specifics. They'll figure it out, and uh, he'll be playing in Green Bay um, for the foreseeable future. Uh, Bakhtiari is – um, a little bit more complex of a situation. And I think part of it is not just the contract implications with him, but, you know, a very real point. Does he want to play football again? You know, that I, I don't see us cutting. I, I, I really think it's a scenario where either Bach's going to retire or we're going to figure it out and he's going to come back and play another year here. Um, those are the two scenarios I see as most likely. But again, I'm, I'm not plugged in like Tom Silverstein. So, um, right. I don't know, could be wrong, have been wrong before, probably will be wrong again, but my gut's telling me that, uh, I think he either hangs it up or, um, you know, they figure this out and he plays, you know, one more year here in green Bay. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm leaning toward, he'll probably hang it up. But again, like you said, Tim, I don't, I don't think, it, I, I just don't see who would trade for him. You know, you got, you've got the cost of the contract, obviously that they got to pick up. You got the, you know, the uh, unsureness. I don't know if that's the right word. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a word. You've got the uh, lack of confidence in the knee and okay, is he actually going to be healthy? There's just a lot more, a lot more question marks, right? Many more question marks than there are, than there are, you know, check. You don't think he would go to New York. You don't think the jets would want him, And then him and Aaron could, you know, reunite and they could both sit there and say, my knee. Um, I'll tell you this, man. If Aaron wants him, Aaron gets him. That seems to be the theme over there, man. You talk about someone who's running that organization. Twelve is or eight, I should say, is definitely running the organization over there. So as far as the Darius Smith, that date was March 14th, 2022. So if something doesn't get done with Bach here in the next couple of weeks, as far as restructuring the contract, you're probably the longer it goes, the deadline will be somewhere around March for you know, March 14th, probably, you know, somewhere between March 10th and March 15th that a decision will actually be made as far as cutting him to free up that money. Because obviously on March, March 14th, 2022, Zadarius Smith, who would have been responsible for 27.7 million uh, cap hit in 2023 was released by the Packers to save 15.3 million in salary cap space. So it, box number is like 39 million to put that into perspective. So, uh, well, yeah. box also not Zadarius Smith either. So it makes it a little, we're talking about different caliber of players here. I think we'd both agree, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, if he's healthy, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's the big thing. 
the 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 knee has just ruined everything for Bob, and it sucks because you talk about a guy that, in my opinion, he was all the only thing he was really lacking is a Super Bowl ring from being a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he still may have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. But these last two or three years, you know, riddled with injuries, it's really probably going to hurt his campaign for that. And I know Hall of Fame isn't everything, but when you see a player who's overachieved like Bach has, you know, he was drafted kind of low. He's always played above expectations. I think he's fun. I love how vocal he is. I love that he's calling out crooked politicians constantly on both sides for insider trading. I'm just that type of guy. I like it when uh, when someone who has no reason to put their neck out there and, and smack those uh, those people that are using the American American people. Uh, smack them around a little bit. I'm all for it. That's just me personally. Yep. Um, but uh, I, I like I like what he stands for. I like his wittiness. I like that he's a bit of a an a hole to people that deserve it. Um, but again, man, if you can't you can't make the club in the tub if you can't get on the field, you know it's time to cut bait and move on, right? So that's true. Um, I mean, that's just like Darius, right? He had the back issues, you know, and yeah, you know, injuries kind of sometimes will you know kick you off the team by themselves you know exactly exactly they'll actually do the cutting for sure um there you go so with that being said let's move on to the next topic i'm just trying to make sure i'm not missing anything in the chat you let me know if you see anything in the chat you want to hit on there as well tim but again peter stone thank you so much for the chat buddy uh we'll we'll kind of keep our ear to the streets on that right and see exactly what's going on with bach and if any more Rumors actually emerged. So um, let's do this. We had Romeo Dobbs. He was on, I think it was Kay Adams' show on Radio Row uh, for the Super Bowl. And they had Romeo on. He was kind of, she was, she asked Romeo, Kay asked Romeo, I believe it was Kay on this video, asked Romeo about Jordan Love and kind of what he means to the team, what it's been like playing with him. So let's see what Romeo Dobbs had to say about QB1 J Love. Can you tell me about Jordan Love from week one to where he is now? What's the biggest difference? I mean, I knew coming in that Jordan was, I knew coming in that Jordan was nice, um, but it was obvious that when Aaron took off that it was a lot of questioning, and I don't shame that because that's normal, you know, just in the sports industry. However, uh, he went through his trials and tribulations, but he was able to figure out, get it going, and, you know, I'm excited for him. I'm thankful to be, you know, on this journey with him, and, you know, Jordan's that dude. Aaron Jones told me the team's closer this year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They young, too. They young. Youngest team in the league. But why is the uh, team closer this year? What is it about it? Uh, just just from the outside noise and out, outside of the outside noise, it was just the culture in Green Bay that, you know, people don't really understand of just the brotherhood and the locker room and just the camaraderie of the team and how people just bond and just continually just keep trusting each other. So. Yeah. So there you go. That was Romeo Dobbs kind of talking about Jordan Love. And, you know, what's cool about Romes is you could tell from day one he had Jordan's back, you know, Tim. Like, he, as soon as Jordan Love was kind of named the starter, you could tell he was the first one that kind of stepped up and started speaking out. Him and Devondre Campbell um, really yeah, kind, of, kind of bragging on Jordan Love and talking about just how good of a quarterback he was going to be and this and that. So, And um, one of the first receivers to get to work with Jordan, too right away even right. even on their own time in the off season so yeah what's crazy is if i understood it correctly they've actually been working out together since they were in college or at least since romeo dobbs was in college because I, it's either their i think it's their personal training staff or it might even be armed and dangerous that's actually organizing mm-hmm. it 
but they've been working together in the offseason even before they became teammates in Green Bay. So wow. that's really, really cool. And it almost makes you think, was Goody playing chess there? And was like, hey, let's check out this Romeo Dobbs guy. Maybe armed and dangerous, told Jordan, told, you know, the organization, like, hey, they should check out Romeo. Romeo's working with, let them know how he's playing. Could have been something where Jordan, you know, had mentioned it. That's but, really, that's a great point. Cause you, you know, you think, you know, you're, you're working out quarterbacks, you need receivers to catch, catch passes, right. And run, absolutely. run some routes. I mean, it's almost like a, you know, a sparring partner in boxing, you know, working out with a, with a big fighter and then they, they get picked up as well. Um, so I think it's kind of cool to, to see that, that relationship developed even before they became teammates. So, yeah, I mean, if, if Goody did have something up his sleeve, he looks like even more of a genius at this point, honestly. Yeah. He's man. He's having a hell of a year. I know that man. Goody got to sure. give him all the flowers for sure, man. That dude, that draft class last year, my God. I see we yeah. cut that video before the, the magician came out. Did you watch the, the full, when I, he, I he actually, kind of freaked out Rome a little bit. Rome, Rome wasn't having too much of the, the magic. <laughs> I actually had that video cut and ready to go on too, but I'm like, you know what? We keep going over. I don't think we need to be showing magician tricks, right? Like, so <laughs> let's see if we can keep this thing under an hour tonight. But um, really cool tweet here. This came out from Arjun Menon. It's at Arjun Menon 100 uh, on X. Said Jordan Love was the only quarterback this season with a positive EPA slash drop back when pressured. This season among quarterbacks with at least 200 dropbacks. So for those of you on the pod, we're showing a, uh, a graph, a chart, if you will. Basically, on the far left, running vertically, you got EPA uh, per play under pressure, and at the bottom, running horizontally, you got EPA play when EPA per play when not under pressure. And Jordan Love is at the very top; he's at the highest point on this chart, meaning he had the highest EPA um, per play when he was under pressure. And he is to the right of, I guess, what they consider the average line there when not under pressure. And to put it into perspective, the far right, the one who who had the highest EPA per play when not under pressure was Brock Purdy, right? So it just shows you, man, Jordan, teams are going to catch on to that. And what teams are going to do is they're going to stop blitzing. They're going to say, okay, let's try to get at him in the four-man rush, put extra defenders uh, you know, out there in coverage. That's probably how they're going to adjust this year. If that is the case, it's going to open up the running game a little bit. And really, Jordan's going to have to really key in on protecting the football because they're going to try to bait him into throwing into, you know, seven and eight man coverages for sure. So um, just something to kind of be aware of there. But I really thought that was cool, Tim. That's a, a great graphic. And, you know, when you when you look at data like this, like, that's what I remember seeing this year, too. How many throws did we see him throwing, fading away, throwing on the run, being pressured, creating a window, a sidearm throw, whatever it is? It's going to be a lot of fun to watch in the future, man. Absolutely. And, you know, that's all part of the the way the game's trending, too, right? You know, you, you're getting to the point where you can't play quarterback in this league if you can't do those things. If you can't change the arm angle, if you can't have a little bit of mobility in the pocket, you don't know how to read coverages – you're you're not going to make it. You're just not. I, I I really do believe that that true pocket passer kind of stand in there and scan type of quarterback is it's becoming more and more of a rare breed. You've got to be versatile and you've got to have the uh, the athletic talent to, to play the position now. And Jordan's a great example of that, you know, putting all of those elements together. He can beat you from the pocket and he can beat you when he's out of the pocket, too. No doubt. Jake Schfink in the chat says, uh, a top tier of five there. So what he's pointing out, when you look at the vertical 
you know, aspect of this chart here. I guess it's technically called a chart, right? Is that what this would be, Tim? Is this a chart, a graph? Chart or a graph? Yeah, maybe a yeah. graph. I don't know, man. Guys, listen. I graduated high school. I am a high school uh, educated idiot from Harlan County, Kentucky, which means that's probably the equivalent to, like, I don't know, ninth grade, 10th grade. For those of you that went to decent schools, so bear with me here. But what Jake's pointing out is at the very top, you've got Jordan Love at the very top, then Kirk Cousins. Of course, Kirk Cousins, small sample size, got hurt earlier in the year. Then Josh Allen, then Dak Prescott, then Brock Purdy. So uh, really, really cool, man. And you see Justin Fields is right in the middle of everything. So <laughs> good place for him right there, right? So yeah, there you go. Poor Easton Stick. Look at my man down there. And <laughs> – <laughs> down in the basement. I don't want to talk about where Tommy DeVito is. That that depresses me that we lost to him. But anyway, yeah, I agree though, Jake. It's pretty cool how that, that kind of pops there on that chart for sure. I like too how they did the, the bigger the circle there, Tim. That's the amount of plays, like the saturation, right? I get so, it. Yeah. I was just gonna I was just realizing that. I'm like, why are these dots so small? Oh, I get it. Were they drunk when they made that graphic? What were they doing? <laughs> Anyway, Josh in the chat says, I seen or heard on the Up and Adams podcast, Rogers told Love, don't throw a pick on your first playoff pass like me. Much love to Rogers and love, uh, respect and love for the Packers. Um, Rogers has said it all year long, man. He's talked about, um, you know, he's a Packer fan through and through. Um, there's a, many, a, a big portion of the fan base that, that just kind of, when they hear that stuff, they go, la, 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 la. And then when they hear something bad, it's see Rogers is evil. But yeah, yeah. he's bad. Uh, uh, you know, I, I remember hearing that, too, and Jordan Love went on a little bit of a, an extended answer to a response talking about how Aaron's one of his best friends. Aaron reached out to him all year long and would, would give him advice, and, you know, he would he would reach back out to Aaron, and they talked just consistently. I think that's awesome, and, and I think it's cool that um, that Aaron handled it a little bit different than Favre did, right? Um, and that's not to knock Favre. Really what Favre said – when Aaron got to the team was, look, it's not my job to bring him along. My job is to play quarterback. There's nothing wrong with that either. I just think it's cool that Aaron kind of went out of his way to help Jordan because he knew it was going to put Jordan in an awkward place, right? Like it, there was going to be moments where Aaron was going to try to, you know, try to convince the coaching staff, hey, this was the wrong move. And that can create awkwardness amongst you and your backup when today, like we talk about, you know, backup quarterbacks are really – the personal assistant to the starting quarterback when you think about it. So yeah. um, just – I would love to have been a fly on the wall in those quarterback meetings back with Joe Montana and Steve Young because that's one that when he went and traded for Steve Young, he did it against the advice of his assistant coaches, Heavey and Bill Walsh, and uh, Joe Montana hated it. He liked Steve Young, right? It wasn't nothing personal towards Steve, but it's just like I got to share a quarterback room with this guy who's trying to take my job. Yeah. Um, then again, that's how you get the best out of people too, right? So there you go. Um, but yeah, that's that's good stuff, Josh. Appreciate you sharing that, man. Eric Sutherland in the chat said Rogers always says when we when he talks about the Packers, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I took the words right out of my mouth because I was just thinking that you, you hear him on McAfee in a lot of different interviews. He he refers to Green Bay as we. We all the time. And and um, you know, say what you want about 12, man. The guy the guys carried the G and continues to do it. Um, you know, this game is, it's, it's a business at this level and things happen the way they did. And, um, you know, he's where he wants to be. And let's be honest, we're where we want to be right now. So, I mean, everybody, it was a win-win for everyone. Um, 
we can disagree on the specifics. Um, there's a big part of the fan base that probably feels like we could have moved on, you know, a few years prior and put Jordan out there. Um, I think everything happens in its own due time. Um, and I, I think it's worked out for the best. I think those, uh, you know, extra couple of years behind Aaron really helped Jordan Love's uh, development. You, you can't deny it uh, when you see the, the year he had last year. So, um, and you know what, Aaron going down in week one, I mean, he had plenty of time to, to text, text the guys and check in on them. I'm sure he was watching a lot of, watching a lot of football this year. So um, no, it's always cool to see that, that, you know, guys still have a good relationship. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I agree, man. And it really is, it's it's a paternity in the league. You know, these yep. players talk about it all the time, and us fans don't want to hear it because we just want to say, stop, to- stop talking to your opponent. You're not buddies with your opponent. They're, they're all trying to increase the players' union strength, you know, and they want to make the game better to, to a center where they're constantly raising salaries for the current players. They do treat it like they're on the same team other than Sundays, right? So yep. kind of an interesting uh, dynamic there for sure. Uh, Chewy in the chat says, Jordan admits the three years was beneficial. Man, I'd say there were some of them throws. I was like, damn, Tim, that looks just like Aaron Rodgers, the way he let go of that ball. That little jump spin throw is like, this looks like 12. And it's funny because I listened to several podcasts where I can't remember his name. I think it's Calhoun is the name. Is it okay. Steve, Steve Calhoun? But it's armed. You can find him on Twitter, Armed and Dangerous. Um, and that's Jordan's personal quarterback coach. And he said there's been so many times that he's worked with Jordan in the offseason going, hey, hey, nope, you got to keep, keep your foot planted, do this. You can't do that. 12 can do that, but 12 is an alien. You can't do that trying to talk him out of it. Now we're seeing Jordan do it, and everybody's going, man, maybe Jordan's an alien. We'll see, right? It's true. Uh, the second half of the season, man. I was I went back and watched it earlier today. I was uh, on the Chiefs game, and just because just, everything's a blur in season, and we're I'm charting the game. We're getting ready for a post-game show. Then the next day it's scramble to get chalk talk together, and then it's try to get all of that previous game out on podcast form, every little detail, all the analytics, and then Thursday, bring Paul Brettel in, get his recap, and then bang, we're on to the next game. So it's cool to kind of sit back and relive last season. You know, it's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I think one of the things I see that 
from Jordan Love that really reminds me of Aaron Rodgers, and I think he's got a lot from Aaron, is just watching him break the huddle and walk up to that line. And just everything from his pre-snap cadence, the way he's reading, going through his checks, changing a play. I mean, he he looked a little shaky at the beginning of the year, but man, by, by the middle of the season and down the stretch, he just looked like a guy that's been doing it for 10 years. You know, really comfortable uh, pre-snap, reading a defense, and uh, communicating to the team on those on those checks. So um, that definitely reminds me. I mean, obviously some of the mechanic stuff, like you said, for sure, uh, and some of the throws, but really it's a lot of the pre-snap stuff that I see from Jordan that's just very reminiscent of how, how Aaron would just manipulate a defense. Yeah, you know, the, the play against Dallas where Jordan comes to the line and he looks and there's no safety deep and he looks over and he's got one safety stacked 10 yards behind the corner on a side where you just had kind of a kind of a nasty split with a guy on the wing, and Jordan's like, huh, all right, check, check. Change the complete play, <laughs> throw the yeah. tie in to stay in, a little quick motion action, wicks down the seam, burning Stephon Gilmore for a tutter. And it's it like when I when I seen that, and I know it was the playoffs, I'm going, okay. I the whole second half of the season when Jordan cut the corner. It's like, man, we got us a dog here. This is a. I wanted to know: is he a starting quarterback? Meaning, is he a top fifteen quarterback? Right. That to me, that's what a starting quarterback is. Not a twenty fifth quarterback. To me, that's not a starting quarterback. That's a solid backup quarterback, a good backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. So once I seen him in the top fifteen, I'm like, okay. When I see stuff like that, I'm going, hold up. We might have us a top fiver right here. We might have a top five QB, and I'm, I'm feeling really, really confident. And and, and just the, the working friendship, relationship, whatever you want to call it, between him and Coach LaFleur. Um, yep. Coach LaFleur had his back against the freaking wall, and that dude just – he did his best work with all the pressure in the world on him, man. Just a, just a phenomenal season. You can tell they did. They did they, they did this together. There had to be some kind of conversation last year at some point, right, you know, going into that season. A lot of pressure on Matt LaFleur and a lot of pressure on, on Jordan Love. And I wonder if it was just one of those things where it's like, hey, I got your back. You got my back. We're going to do this together. And, um, you know, you talk about, you know, some of those checks, uh, particularly the uh, the Dallas game. You know, that was a, a master class. I mean, two out of those three Aaron Jones uh, tutters were Jordan Love canning a pass play in the red zone and, and, right. going, and going to a run and putting that trust in in your veteran leadership. And, um, you know, and then the, the confidence that, you know, our play caller and head coach has in our quarterback for him to make those calls and to go ahead and, um, you know, put points on the board. So uh, it, it does. It shows a lot. And I think for a first-year starter, the, the thing that Jordan showed me was poise and maturity for a guy that, you know, this was his first crack at it. So he's he's only going to get better from here. As you were talking about that, too, it made me think of Holmgren and the quote he said to Brett. And I think it was on – it might have been the 96 Packers-America's game where they, you know, break down that season, which – that's on YouTube for free. I think I'll go watch that tonight, actually. That was a really good one. Um, but he said, uh, listen, I'm calm. You're calm. Both going to stay calm here. You and I were attached at the hip. We may – we if we're going to get to the mountaintop, we'll get there together. We may end up in the ditch, but we'll mm-hmm. be there together. Okay, like, I've got your back okay. here. Um, that goes a long way, man. It makes people want to compete. It really does. And, and, and you know, once the – to prove people right. You know, Brett wanted to prove Ron Wolf right. Aaron wanted to prove Ted Thompson right. 
And uh, and obviously Jordan Love wants to prove Goody right, and he's got Lafleur there to help him every step of the way. Lafleur has uh, become somewhat of a, a quarterback whisperer. You know, yep. um, doesn't get the credit he deserves because Aaron was his quarterback for those you know few years. But it's funny, Aaron had one of his worst statistical years the year before uh, Matt got here, and then all of a sudden, bang! You know, it turns around, then MVP, then MVP. So uh, I just like to see him get the. Uh, you know, get the credit he deserves, I guess you could say, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Smith says, nervous, nervous amount Jordan contract. I think he's saying nervous about Jordan contract. We all are a little bit, Steven, but that's part of the game, man. You know, when you you can't compete in this in this league unless you've got a good quarterback, and with a good quarterback comes all the cap space that's tied up in it. I just uh, – I'm holding out some kind of hope that somehow, some way, we get him at an average of 25 per as far as cap hit. We'd be really playing with the house's money. Probably going to be closer to forty, at least thirty-five million. But I'm just part of me's like maybe Goody is pulling strings behind the scene, going to Jordan Erling on, hey, look, let's up the guaranteed percentage, all right, and let's lower the overall number. Um, that's something that's possible. Now, when it comes to Green Bay, you don't have Jerry Jones's checkbook, right? You don't have Sam Walton's checkbook. You don't have uh, David Tepper's checkbook. So, writing that guaranteed money check hurts a little bit more in Green Bay, Wisconsin, than it does with one of these uh, multi, multi, multi-billionaire owners, right? So, um, but I trust Goody. I love what Murphy's done. I'm looking forward to the new hire, too, to see who replaces Murphy, you know? That's yeah. going to be an exciting time, too. That's the the business behind the scenes stuff that I really get into, man. I know most people just roll their eyes and go, okay, yeah, put me to sleep with that, but – I love that type of stuff, man, for sure. Mastermind says, Tim, do you think we should draft a quality wide receiver and cut Samori Torre? What do you think, Tim? A question for you, man. Well, I'll tell you, Samar, I was swinging a miss last season on Samari Torre. I had picked him going into going into the season to have a you know a, he a showed some power here. the year before. He man. did, yeah. he did, and he flashed a little early in the season too. But um, you know, he had some nagging injuries too, and then you know, um, we had a lot of young receivers step up. Um, so to answer the question, uh, it's kind of two pronged. Um, do we cut Samari Touri? Probably it's, it's probably coming. Um, I don't know how soon, uh, he'll probably make it to camp, I would think. But as far as drafting, you know, draft a quality receiver and, and cut Touri, I think we cut Touri, but, you know, I think about our quote unquote bottom tier receivers and their names like Bo Melton. And Malik Come Heath, on, dude. <laughs> yeah, you know Malik Heath, Bo Melton, Grant Debose. There, you know, I feel good about those guys. <laughs> um, so I don't know if we necessarily need to draft um, a quality wideout to uh, to go ahead and cut Toure. And I don't think you know it's a foregone conclusion that Toure is cut. I just would lean towards it probably happening uh, this year, um, especially the way, like I said, some of these guys uh, stepped up. Unless they were. F- flash in the pan kind of things, but uh, I don't think so. I think Bo Melton's the re- real deal. I think Malik Heath is the real deal. Um, we haven't seen much of Grant DuBose. The little bit that I got to see of him last year, he looked okay. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, we're going to see a little bit of uh, changing of the guard there at the bottom tiers of the receiver room. I don't know. What do you think, Clay? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's tough because that receiving core, you, you it, it's, it's crazy because going into last year's draft, we were saying we need receivers, we need tight ends. We need receivers, we need tight ends. We went and got receivers and tight ends, and it seems like those positions are pretty well set now. 
That's mm-hmm. a goody knocking it out of the freaking park, right? So, uh, yeah, it kind of feels like Torre's out. You know, Eric Sutherland makes a good point, too. He said Torre's going to give his job to Dubose. That's another one, right, like you just mentioned. That was someone they were kind of high on. I'm wondering the old saying, like we said with Bach, too, you can't make the club in the tub. Dubose being hurt might, might have kind of signed his uh, his ticket out of town, too, to be honest with you. So I don't know about that one, Eric, because Malik Heath and uh, and like you said, Bo Melton. Bo Melton, man, he's our high, highest graded wide receiver, smaller sample size, but that dude showed some promise. And since we're talking about receiver, let's do this. Uh, Jordan Love was on Up and Adams with Kay Adams, and she, he was asked about – Romeo Dobbs. So let's see what Jordan had to say about Romeo Dobbs. Jones is to me like the heart and soul. He's there. And then I got to meet Romeo Dobbs yesterday mm-hmm. and was really impressed with him. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at his numbers and I was reminding myself before the interview that he really did take it to a different level in the playoffs. Can you speak to that and maybe give him some love? Yeah, Romeo, that's my guy. I love Romeo. But uh, yeah, like you said, he had a phenomenal playoff performance. Um, and like you said, he took it to another level for sure. Um, and you could see just that fire in his eyes that whole week going into the, the Dallas game and um, just going into that game, how locked in he was. And, um, you know, he, he had that killer mindset. And uh, it, it's no, no wonder why he went out there and was able to perform the way he did and make some big-time plays. But uh, he's a great player, and uh, I'm glad that he's getting his flowers, gets more love. Um, and like you said, Aaron Jones, heart and soul of our team. Um, everybody loves Aaron Jones and just how he works every day, how he shows up carries himself I mean he's the, he's the leader of that offense and the other team and um, you know that's my brother I love him as well and uh, he did some some pretty pretty cool things in the playoffs as well yeah it all, yeah. It all kind of started to work so we we're hoping that of course it carries over love it absolutely love it man and you know I love how he refers to him as uh, as playoff uh, playoff Romeo Dobbs right like he I mean he did he he had a different look in his eye and you go back and watch some of those routes he ran man a matter of fact one of the plays that I, I highlighted on Twitter earlier today was see him shaking someone completely out of their clip. I mean, it was just – what a phenomenal – there's something to be said about a player that plays his best ball in the most important games, you know. And what's cool, too, is there was many times throughout the season the ball wasn't going to him much, and you didn't hear a peep out of him. And, Tim, yep. he ran those go routes. I remember – I think it was actually the first half of the season I was pointing out that every route that Rums was running was go routes. And he's looking to clear stuff out for things underneath, right? So just unselfish. He, I think he is the leader of that wide receiver room. That doesn't mean he's the most talented. It doesn't mean he's the number one receiver. But he is that quiet leader that we need um, in the locker room for sure. And when you look at those receivers, as we flash the PFF grades up here real quick, um, this is really cool. So the first, this is the overall grades, according to PFF, wide receivers in the league. You guys remember going into last year, I said, we don't have a true number one. We don't have a true number two. I actually said, I think Romeo Dobbs has the potential to be a solid number two, but right then he was just a solid number three receiver as far as him grading out amongst the rest of the league. Well, here we are a year later, and I want you to look at this. Number 15 on the list, granted it's a small sample size, Bo Melton, the 15th highest graded wide receiver overall offensive grade at 83.4, right? And then you go down to 27th, Dontavian Wicks at 77.8. And then you climb down to 40th, Romeo Dobbs, and then 42nd, Jaden Reed. So essentially what you've got here, 
we're not going to list Bo Melton as a number one receiver, okay, because it is a small sample size, although I think he's earned many, many, many more snaps. You guys know we've reported on on this podcast, this uh, YouTube show, that he is under contract for next year, whatever um, deal they had to sign him to being some kind of exclusive rights free agent or a uh, it might have been one of the – one of the younger players or some kind of rules in place that if you haven't gotten offers at a certain time early in your career and you weren't drafted at a certain spot, that teams can claim rights on you essentially. So he is under contract for less than $1 million next year. So let's remove, let's remove Bo Melton as, you know, the number one receiver for the Packers outside of him because it was a small sample size. What do we have? You essentially have Dontavian Wicks grading out in the 27th spot in the overall in, uh, overall in the NFL, right? That is starting caliber. When you're in the top 32, obviously you are a true number one receiver in my opinion, okay? Now, you go down to where Romeo Dobbs is. He's 40th. That is, that, that is essentially what a, a top 10 number two wide receiver. And you got Jaden Reed in the 42 spot. That's a top 10 number two wide receiver. That's the way I look at that. Now, of course, Jaden plays a lot of slot. Tay played quite a bit of slot, too, when Christian Watson's healthy. Obviously, he's going to play more on the boundary. That's where he makes the most sense, in my, my opinion, the boundary and the field side just on the outside, right, As a, whether it's the X or the Z. He's kind of one of those outside receivers, um, wide receivers, if you will. This this receiver core is set for the future, man. There's no reason to even address it this draft. Now, with that being said, you watched him. This will be the year that Goody drafts a wide receiver in the first round. And right, when and you don't all, need him, right? Right. And we'll all be saying, of course Goody did that. <laughs> so pretty cool seeing this, though, man, how the numbers shake out, right? I mean, it, it's you, what you basically have is a number one wide receiver, two solid number two wide receivers, and then you've got some, some serious young depth. Bo Melton, I yep. was comfortable saying he's a solid number three, possibly a solid number two. You know, I, I wonder how many they're going to keep, right? We talked about this last year, six, seven receivers, right? What are, you know, when it's all said and done. So if you go Dobbs, Wicks, Reed, Scoot, Melton, Heath, and DeBose, there's your seven right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's seven receivers. Um, and the, these guys are all on the team already. Um, I think what we have for sure for the foreseeable future in Green Bay is a highly, highly talented and competitive wide receiver room. If you want to come to Green Bay, uh, you know, for a workout or you want to try and make this football team as a wide receiver, it's going to be extremely difficult. And even if you do, it's going to be extremely difficult to get snaps with the amount of talent that we have uh, at that position. Um, these are all good problems to have <laughs> for a team. I mean, I think we're set. Um, but yeah, I I wouldn't mind. Um, oh, I see you started that chat. I was going to take uh, Prince's uh, comment right here because yeah, I, I I totally agree with. Uh, I can see see them taking a wide receiver late in the draft, maybe round sixth uh, at the highest. Just no reason to spend the capital on one early. Totally agree. If you're going to take one late rounds, maybe get a steal, um, someone that you can you know work into work into the rotation, have another. Uh, Dontavian Wicks. Yep. Yep. Maybe, maybe you do. And then boy, then we're really in trouble because now we really got talent. What are you going to do? You know, you're going to run five, five receiver sets all day long, you know, um, it's yeah. good problems to have. So, um, you know, I yeah. wouldn't, I'd be a little surprised if they took a, a receiver in the draft, but not completely shocked. 
Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. And Prince said earlier in the chat, he said, let Torrey compete in camp for a spot. Knows the system, no reason to cut him before then. Absolutely, nope. Prince. No one's saying you should cut any of these guys early. That's the thing. Load that load that roster down going into training camp. And let the, And here's the thing, you never know when injuries are going to happen. God yep. forbid this happen, and, and people are going to hate me if it does happen and say that I jinxed the team. But if you have you know two or three significant injuries in the wide receiver room, Torrey's going to be right there in the hunt for the number three spot, right? Yep. Like and he's another can, speed guy too, you yeah, know, it, field stretcher. It happen in the blink of an eye, man. It really can. Um, going back to the Mark Murphy talk, uh, Chad Inc. said, I think Ed Policy will be Murphy's replacement. That's the name I keep, keep hearing too, Chad, but I'm sure they'll they'll do an extensive search, right? But it sounds like Ed Policy has worked hand-in-hand hand with Murphy the entire time, so I think you're spot on there. Uh, one of the previous chats as well, Mastermind says, do you guys think Goody is going two cornerbacks or two, or two safeties this draft? You know what, yes. <laughs> yes I, I do too but you know what why don't we do this since you're asking mastermind why don't we just jump right into a little rapid fire mock draft my man what do you think i say we do it man all right here we go let's roll you, got... Take it. <laughs> you get me off guard every time <laughs> you guys make sure that uh let's make sure that you guys can see this i'm just going to go full screen here tim um so yeah, you keep an eye on the chat. Let me know if anybody's seen anything specific as far as prospects. So this is our number two PFF mock draft. Okay, we did one earlier today, and the goal is to use multiple websites to do our own mock drafts and then compile all that information so we can kind of see, okay, what has changed, what stayed the same, what players were available. And the goal in doing these mock drafts before free agency is to see how many of these needs we can actually fill, and that will determine how aggressive we need to be in free agency. This is how front offices think this time of year. They're compiling all this information to get ready for free agency and know how aggressive or how conservative they can afford to be when it comes to free agency. So, these mock drafts, it isn't just, okay, let's play around and see who we can draft. Let's try to put together the best draft. It, it's it's more about preparing yourself for free agency and the needs that you're going to have on your roster than it is just about which who are the best players we can nab. So the first PFF draft we did earlier today, matter of fact, I got a little bit ahead of myself. Let me pop this up here real quick because I wanted to share it with you guys. Um, let's see. Here it is. Bang. This was the one we did earlier today. We took – Tackle and keep in mind, guys, we're using PFF's information as our true draft board, and that's the whole purpose. We did consensus mock, or we did the mock draft database consensus, uh, you know, consensus mock draft simulator. We used it twice so we could try to determine, okay, within their database, who are the best prospects in their eyes as far as you know who you can take. We're going to do the same thing with PFF, so we're using their information, their big board, as if it's our big board. Okay, so just keep that in mind. But we took with the 25th pick, tackle Amarius Mims out of Georgia. The 41st pick, defensive lineman Chris Jenkins. The 57th pick, edge defender Adiza Isaac. Uh, the 88th pick, we took cornerback Renardo Green out of Florida State. The 91st pick, we took DJ James. So there is your two cornerbacks you were just asking about, sir. Um, he was out of Auburn, like I said, 91st pick. Then we went guard Zach Zenter out of Michigan at 125. At 135, we went safety Bo Braid. At 203, we went halfback Frank Gore Jr. At 217, defensive lineman Miles Murphy. At 219, tight end Tanner McLaughlin. And then at 246, we went safety Kitten Aladipo. Okay, so just a quick recap there. Let's do the second one. You ready to roll, Tim? Let's do it. All right, here we go, man. We'll get this 
thing cranked up. All right, we're on the clock at 25. Here are our best available. We got wide receiver Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU, center Jackson Powers Johnson out of Oregon, uh, tackle Amarius Mims out of Georgia. So he's still there, or he's back there again. Cornerback Ennis Rakestraw Jr., tackle Jordan Morgan out of Arizona. So if we use these as if this was the top tier of talent, 21st uh, rank would be – so in, in this top current tier of talent, it would be Brian Thomas Jr., wide receiver. It would be center Jackson Powers Johnson, number 22, uh, out of Oregon, and then tackle Amarius Mims out of Georgia at 24. We could reach a little bit if we wanted to. Now, again, the needs, guys, four safeties, four corners, three offensive linemen, two defensive linemen, two linebackers, uh, a tight end, a halfback, and an edge. So, Tim – why don't we treat this one a little bit different today? We're going to be willing to reach at least one tier down to try to nab cornerbacks and safeties. I'm not saying we should take them every time, but let's just get the party started off with a cornerback or a safety because that last draft, we only drafted one corner and two safeties, and I feel like they all came late in the draft. Does that make sense? It does, but Jake Shavink wants us to take Brian Thomas Jr., <laughs> oh my god does he really just to shake things up oh gosh there's that there's that receiver <laughs> god it's so true he's ranked 21st we're picking 25th his average draft position is 23rd so he will not be there when we pick again obviously yeah I can't, uh, is he is he being serious tim jake he, I need no, to he, do says, he says lol so i don't okay, know no, no, all right see you about uh, eric's serious though he wants uh jackson powers johnson who it is uh eric sutherland Okay, I think did we we didn't go that route earlier, did we? We did not. We took Amarius Mims uh at this spot. Yeah. So so we did yeah. go offensive line though, didn't we? Um yeah. and that's now going it. by our gut, which we were gonna, you know, our draft concerns going into this one, naturally we'd probably take Rakestraw Jr. here if we're looking for corners, right? Yeah, either that or we got to guarantee that we take a safety with our second pick. Let's guarantee we take a safety with our second pick because that's where we got away from it in the draft earlier. I think that'll kind of put us back on track. I'm cool with Jackson Powers Johnson here because he's in the top tier of talent, and we actually have him graded out as our best offensive line in our mini draft boards as far as positional draft boards. So let's do that. Are you cool with that, Tim, Jackson Powers Johnson? I am, but Jake Jake Shavink says he's very serious. <laughs> I'm very yeah. serious. Can yeah. anyone stop this offense? <laughs> oh my God. See, it's Jake. hard because because Jake's like the draft expert. So I know it. it's like I, know it. I feel like but, I've got Tim, what you got to understand, and Jake's got to understand people don't listen to our podcast to get serious information, though. Okay. So they're they're in here because we're a bunch of knuckleheads just well, then show me a long snapper. Pull up the long snappers. <laughs> Let's go. We're drafting long snapper with our first pick. Watch the subscribers drop off the map as we, <laughs> as we draft the long snapper. I'm going to go Jackson Powers Johnson, all right? That's the best offensive lineman on the board. We've got it listed as a starting need. Um, you know what? You have him and Josh Myers compete at center, and the loser slide him over to right guard. And if he can't play right guard, he being Josh Myers, that, hey, he's not even worth having on the roster. I'm going Jackson Powers Johnson right here, all right? So – there you go, Tim, if you'll kind of keep – well, we'll have them afterwards. I'll mark them off. I, I told you wrong earlier. There was no reason to write them down. I just gave you busy work like the a-hole that I am. So, uh, all right, 41. We're back on the clock again. This is where we said we were going to take a safety. Look how far we got to reach to, man. But, again, if we don't do it now, Tim, we're not going to get it, right? Like his average his average spot is 46.5. We don't 
we don't draft again until 57, he being Tyler Newbin. All right. Now you could possibly get Kinchins, but his average draft position is 48th. So he's not going to be there either. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Newbin to kind of set us on a, on a decent course. Okay. To fill in some of these needs. Cause we failed miserably earlier. All right. Hello so, Newbin. Exactly. Newbin is the draft pick. All right. So we got us a starting safety. In my opinion, we've already drafted two potential starters. Now we're at pick 57. All right, here are the best available, guys. We got Christian Haynes, guard out of Connecticut. He, by the way, on our mini, uh, on our positional draft board, he's the second highest graded offensive lineman on our mini positional draft board. Cameron Kitchens is the second highest graded safety. So in this top tier of talent, you've got Christian Haynes and Cam Kitchens. Then you got tied in Jatavian Sanders uh, outside of that top tier. Then you got Braden Fisk, defensive lineman out of Florida State at 57. Adiza Isaac we took earlier. He's at 58. And you got Edgerin Cooper at linebacker there. Tim, what are you thinking here, man? I'm going to kind of let you spearhead it, and I'll sign off on it. Do you want our second-best offensive lineman go offensive back-to-back? And, and literally that would mean Jackson Powers Johnson will be our starting center. Christian Haynes will be our starting right guard. I personally don't like it. <laughs> but how are you feeling right here, man? What 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 do you want to do? I'm double dipping. I'm taking Cam Kinchins I love here, it. or I'll... or or I'm even sliding down and taking. Uh, what did you have? Uh, yeah, um, Tavondre Sweat. Yeah, uh, might be a little early for Sweat, but um, I'd take Kinchins here, man. I know we did it before. We're trying to do something different, but yeah, we need, like we need it, safeties, man. man. You know. And look at the average draft position, too, 48. So everyone around him, right? Christian Haynes above him, 69.2. Then it's 48 for Cam Kitchens, 55.6 for Jatavian Sanders. Then the next guy, 76.2, 60.8, 58.6. Let's do it. Let's go Cam Kitchens. So Cam Kitchens is off the board. We got both of our starting safeties, and we got a starting offensive lineman. So I'm liking the way this is stacking up so far. On to the 88th pick. We got defensive lineman Dwayne Carter. Um, by the way, we need a starter and a backup, in my opinion, as far as defensive line goes. Now, actually, you could cross that backup off because we switched from a 4-3. I, keep, I have to keep reminding myself that. Um, but we could still use that starting stud, right? Is Dwayne Carter there? Yeah. You know, with the 88th pick, I don't know if he would be. He'd probably be more of a backup type. So I kind of feel like we missed our window with a, with a stud defensive lineman. Let me just take a quick peek at it from the positional standpoint, just to make sure I'm not missing anything here, Tim. Um, you got Dwayne Carter. You got McKinley Jackson. You got Mecky Wingo, Mason Smith, Michael Hall Jr., Tyler Davis. Yeah, all of our top defensive linemen are already off the board. We had them listed in this order. Chris Jenkins, Jerzan Newton, Tavondre Sweat, then Byron Murphy. They're all gone. So let's just go ahead and forget about that. Let's try to stick to best player available. We How still about need linebacker? Any, anything at backer? Let's look at backer and let's look at corner. I think that would be important. I'm actually going to check on both. Let's go corner and then let's go backer here. I think it should put them both on the list for us. So you got Peyton Hill or Peyton Willis Wilson, sorry, out of North Carolina State in the 84th spot. You got Jerry and Jones cornerback out of Florida State in the 95th spot. Chris Abrams drain at the 100 spot. Then you're getting to Lyofa. Um, I think I'm saying that right out of Notre Dame. Then Max Melton at Rutgers at corner. And then you got Kalen King at corner. We kind of missed our window on that linebacker as well. We had a we had a starter listed there. So when you look at this draft board and the way it hits right here, the one that makes the makes the most sense would be Peyton Wilson at linebacker or Jerry and Jones at corner. So Chad, the question is, Chad likes Wilson 
do they? Yeah. Um, keep in mind, chat, we're, we're showing that we could use as many as four corners, including two starting corners, right? We, we kind of talked about we need someone starting caliber opposite Jair Alexander. Now, would Jerry and Jones be that? I don't know. Let's kind of look. Let's take a peek at his grades real quick. 2021, 61.8. 70.4. Then 90.1 last year. What's his size? First look, he's six foot 191, decent size there, right? Um, if you go to Peyton Wilson, let's look at his grades 59.3, 69.5, then 89.8. Um, it's tough for me, man. If, if you went strictly need here, you would say Jerry and Jones, but if you're going best player available, you're talking about if we're going in increments of five as far as our tier of talents, then you know, Jerry and Jones is two tiers down from Peyton Wilson. So, you, you said, Tim, the chat's pretty high on Wilson here, seems like it, yeah. Um, right. And I kind of like that because if we go linebacker here, we're obviously not going to get Jerry and Jones, but Max Melton might still be on the board. We could snag him at corner. Very good point. It's showing his average draft position is 125. So there, and that's where It'll we pick around. that. Too. Right. Yeah. So, uh, well, actually we pick it, we pick at 91 as well. So we might be able to get a better one. You know what? Jerry and Jones's average draft position is actually 93. We might be able to get them both. Let's and go. Jones is, a, Jones is more of a slot, right? I'm not sure to be honest slot, with you. Slot guy. Um, does it show? It probably doesn't show. Here we go. Look right here. Slot. Yep. You're right, man. 394 snaps in the slot. Okay. Look at Tim doing his damn draft work. That's you what know, I'm talking about. I'm learning, man. Learning. Oh, man. I told you I learned more about ball in the last 12 months than I have in the last 12 years. So, <laughs> well, my marriage just went down downhill in the last 12 months. So I hope you're. I hope you're happy. Hey, don't forget Valentine's Day, man. Is is next week, Clayton? Don't oh, forget. Damn, you write that down. Give Mandy something, man. Great point there. Yeah. Of course don't I forget. Damn, you kidding me, man? She's watching downstairs, going, "No, you didn't, you knucklehead." <laughs> um, let's go, Peyton Wilson here. Peyton Wilson. All right, bang. So we um, got us. A linebacker, a potentially potentially starting linebacker, right in the top 100. There's a chance for that. Now let's see if our boy is still there. If we if we just lock into cornerback, oh, sure is cornerback and another position that we're you know kind of a, a heavy need as far as uh, starters is defensive line. Um, yeah, corner is the main need right here because we haven't drafted any. We got to go corner. I just wanted to kind of look like Dwayne Carter is the best prospect on the board. There's no doubt. But when you look at this, yeah, Jerry and Jones is still there. That's our slot corner, right? Jake, if, if Jake's still in the chat, has Jake said anything about Jerry and Jones for a slot corner? Um, uh, how no. he feels about Jerry and Jones. If you're in the chat, Jake, chime in quick, man. Let me know what you think. You give us a thumbs up for Jerry and Jones here at pick 91. I'd like to know his take on that. Again, Dwayne Carter, you got a defensive line. Just cut me off when you find that information out from Jake, Tim. Um, okay. Defensive line out Duke, Dwayne Carter, average draft position 79.1. We're at pick 91. His rank is 75th, so that's really good value right there. You've got McKinley Jackson, defensive line out of Texas A&M, although, yeah, we still haven't taken a defensive lineman either. His average draft position is 94.2 or 94.9, rather. Uh, Mecky Wingo, average draft position 76.4, rank 99th. This, to me, it's it's between two guys here. It's either Dwayne Carter or it's Jerry and Jones. I'm leaning Jerry and Jones. Any confirmation from Jake yet? Uh, no, I don't know if he's still in here or not. Um, he probably said, I'm done with these fools. But, they didn't uh, think that wide receiver first round. I'm out. Peter Stone, though, uh, good point. Running back. Can we run the running back? We haven't taken a, a running back yet either. Can we at least take a look? And, and keep in mind, on our needs, all we're showing is we just need a backup running back. So – um, you know, it's probably a little early. lower. Yeah. Blake Corum, though. 
Blake Ooh. Corum, look at these grades, 89.0, 96.2, God, I wish he hadn't said nothing. Now, here's the problem, though. Look at the zone attempts. Only 91, he had 165 gap attempts, okay? What that means is we're more of a zone team. Obviously, we're a heavy zone run, so it's not really a good scheme fit, but not saying he couldn't make that transition. Um, he's 5'8", 213. That boy is thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. Um, I don't know, Tim. I'm I'm still leaning toward a corner right here at Jerry. I am I am too. I feel like we can we can pick a running back later. Um, let's do it. Let's take our slot corner in Jerry and Jones, and let's see what the running back looks like later. They're going to hate us in the chat, but we got to get through this. Now it's showing top need running back. Obviously, um, let's see what we got. Let's sort it back out. We're going to go. Um, we'll add running back in again. Um, we still need two backup offensive linemen. We still need corners as well. We got to keep our eye on that. Um, let's see. Let's go uh, defensive line as well, and then we'll go offensive line. It's pretty much everybody, to be honest with you. <laughs> Everybody's still kind of on the board right now. Um, we've taken two safeties, so I feel good about neglecting it the the rest of the way here. So we got Cedric Von Prawn as the top candidate. He's a center from Georgia. I don't like taking another center, to be honest with you. Michael no. Hall Jr., defensive lineman at Ohio State. Tyler Davis. Defensive lineman at Ohio State. Will Shipley will be your top running back available. If we take a glance at him, 73-7, 78-5, I feel like the value isn't there enough to justify taking him there simply because if you can't get the best back, you know what I mean, you're, you're pretty much shopping for a backup running back here. My, my pick would probably be corner – it would be corner, offensive line, or defensive line here. I don't like the center, so I kind of feel like it's between these defensive linemen here, Tim. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm leaning towards uh, Michael Hall Jr. Um, and then we pick again at what, 135? Yeah, 135. I'm, we'll I'm wondering if um, let's, let's we can get a running back there. I wonder if Braylon Allen will be on the board at 135. There's a, there's a decent chance Will Shipley or Braylon Allen could be there. We'll see if either of them are there, um, and then we'll kind of stack it back up to – to running back again. If we went Michael Hall Jr., his grades were 60.4, 80.3, He is pretty decent size, 6'2", 280. Okay, so he would be um, – he could potentially play some defensive end for you. They could put 10 pounds on him and him play really just five pounds, and he could play the interior in that 4-3 defense as well. Michael Hall Jr. coming out of Ohio State, that's a big program. Tyler Davis and Clemson would be the next. Oh, Tim, 70.8, Holy! I'm cool with either one of these guys. Yeah, he played uh, the majority of it in the B gap. That's ideal in the 4-3. Think about it. You mm -hmm. know, you got your A gap, your one tech, and then you got your your uh, your three – yeah, you got your one tech, your three tech, your three to four is kind of where he played. He played two I, three, and, and uh, four I top looks there. I like that. Um, let's see his size, 6'2", 300, a little bit bigger. I think I'm leaning toward Tyler Davis. You good with that? Let's do it. We're going to lose a Tyler Davis. We might as well pick another one up. There you go. I like it. All right, so we went defensive line. Cross it off the board there. Looky there. Look at the best available, Tim. There he is. Hands down, Will Shipley. Let's look at his grade, 73-7, We talked about that already, essentially. So um, he's on the board. Let's do this. Let's just kind of take a glance. we got to tackle Christian Jones. 
We're at pick 135. All these would be solid picks. Braylon Allen's still there as well. More of a gap runner, I believe. Let me double check that. I, I want to make sure how much. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, here we go. Zone. No, he's more of a zone runner. Okay. Braylon Allen actually is a zone runner. Mm, that's interesting. 121 snaps in the zone, uh, zone run attempts. Donald Krieger in the chat says we still haven't addressed long snapper. So, damn it. I knew we were forgetting. <laughs> there it is. Um, man. Yeah, this is tough, man. So, let's stack it up real quick. We're going to go running back. We're going to go tight end. We're going to go. Um, when you when you talk offensive line, will we need a tackle? You know, it's a good chance Yash won't be here. Caleb Jones will still be on the roster. Got Rashid Walker. We don't know about Bach. Let's include tackle too. Let's include interior offensive line because we need two more interior or two more offensive linemen. Let's include corner here. We got to include safety too, believe it or not. Um, we already got our defensive lineman, so it's off the board there. What about edge? Yep, we definitely need to tack on edge. All right, and then we got halfback in already, and yeah, I think that's everything. So let's see. Best available would be Will Shipley. We've ran from running back this entire time, right? Yeah. Um, Will Shipley is close enough to Braylon Allen, and Braylon Allen has got more zone run snaps, significant more amount of – right here you see zone attempts, 121. That's tied for 37th most in, in college football, right? Yeah. So keep that in mind, 37th most. Will Shipley – 131st so it kind of feels like wisconsin fans need get what they uh, get what they want here it's either going to be christian jones at tackle because we need us a, a backup tackle or it's going to be braylon allen what are we thinking here tim i don't know i'm kind of thinking do are we committed to taking a running back right now I mean, i'm obviously allen and uh what's the uh who do we have up with allen and, oh shipley so neither one of them will be on the board at two, two oh three. Is that where we yeah. pick next? And Braylon Allen's actually going sooner than Shipley. And keep in mind, Braylon Allen is more of a scheme fit for us than Shipley is too. Yeah, so something to keep in mind there. To me, what it comes down to, honestly, it's between Christian Jones, tackle out of Texas, Braylon Allen, halfback out of Wisconsin, um, edge defender Muhammad Kamara out of Colorado State, or Bo Braid out of Maryland safety. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything, everything about building a roster screams you better take the tackle here. Right. But there were people asking for a running back two rounds ago, too, though, right? Um, I, I'm gonna have to go tackle here. Are you opposed to that, Tim, or not? No, I'm not. I'm gonna go tackle. Um, I feel like that's the right move. We're gonna fight our instincts of, dra- of drafting Braylon Allen. Maybe we'll get good value with a running back later. So yeah, let's go, uh, let's go offensive problem. line here. All right, got him. People are going to hate us in the chat, but, uh, you know, that's just the way it goes, all right? Uh, let's see here. Up next, best available, Isaac Guerrendo. I guess I'm saying that right. Guerrendo, maybe. Frank Gore, Jr., he's there. You got Sam Hartman. We're just going to skip over him as if he doesn't exist. So there, this is halfback central right here, bro. We got halfbacks everywhere right here. Um, corner, we still need three corners. Got to keep that in mind. Average draft position for him is 193.8. What are the average draft positions on these running backs? Let's take a quick look. 194, right? 193, 199, 208. We pick again at 217. I think there's a good chance one of those running backs are going to be there. As opposed to as opposed to uh 
corner maybe here, Marcellius Dial. Yeah, do we take uh, a bit of a reach though? Dial, dial or green? No, another safety. Yeah, I don't know, that might man. be a reach though. Yeah, it's it really. Our juniors off the board though. If we don't take them now, you got that right. Let's look at how he stacks up here: seventy-seven four, ninety-one nine, eighty-eight zero. He is a zone running back, twentieth most zone carries in college football. Isaac. 712, 712, 89.1. He is, oh, he had minimal attempts, really, when you look at it. He didn't have near as many attempts as Frank Gore. I say we go Frank Gore here. You good with that? Yep. Absolutely. Frank Gore Jr. Jr., We got our backup running back. That is done now. All right. On to the next pick, pick 217. Um, Best available of of a need would be tight end Tanner McLaughlin. Then you go linebacker Darius Massal, I think is how you say it, out of UCLA. Um, those are pretty close together. Trey Knox, another tight end. Um, we pick again at 219. So, really, it's whatever pick we make here, make sure that the other, like, average draft position for linebacker Darius Massal is 216.1, and Tanner McLaughlin, the top tight end available, is 219.2. So, there's a better chance of him being there than the linebacker Massal. So uh, I'm kind of leaning Maso here. What are you thinking, Tim? I'm with you on that. Um, yeah, we took, we took McLaughlin in the earlier draft today anyway. so We sure did, man. See, yeah. this is what I'm talking about. When you get these names that keep popping up multiple times on multiple mocks at different spots in the draft, that's when you go, okay, that's that's what happened. That's what happened with Van Ness and Musgrave last year for me. Um, and Jake Swing's back in the chat. Uh, What's he saying here? Jared Wiley. Jerry Wallet, what position? What position, Jake? Jared Wiley. Yep, there he is. Okay. 37 is his projected pick. So we could we could get him. We could get him with the two knot team, but it'd be a bit of a reach, right? There's a chance he would be there at 246. I think that's a shot I'm willing, a chance I'm willing to take. All right, so let's skip tight end this time, right? We're going to skip over tight end. So what should we take? We already got our running back. Uh, linebacker? Yeah, Darius Mousau. Mousau, how do you say that? God, I'm butchering his name. 76.7, 61.8, 81.7. He played uh, – let's see where he lined up at the most. Just played in the box is all it gives us as far as information there. Kind of interesting, though. Look at the pass coverage grade, Tim. 85.7. Oh, yeah. Huh. What's his size looking like? 6'1, 230. A little bit of size. All right. Um, I say we go with that. If we're definitely not going tight end because we're going to try to get uh, Wiley later, I say we go with best available here in position of need. And that would be um, Mousaw, Maso, Maso, however you say it. That's who we're going with. All right. So we got our linebackers. We're good on linebackers now. Um, all right, now we're at pick 219. Uh, as far as needs, corner, let's line this up real quick. Let's go offensive line. Let's key in on offensive tackle specifically. Offensive tackle, corner, safety. Edge. Edge and tight end, right, which we said we're going to try to wait on Wiley. So let's see. We'll be say edge and tight end, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so here's how it shakes up. Um, safety Kenny Logan Jr. is the only name that isn't a tight end um, other than Donovan Jenkins tackle. Um, Wiley's off the board, isn't he? Uh, no, he's he's on down. He should be. 
Oh, there he is. Okay. We're going to try to see if he hangs around until 246. So that being said, I'm going to go right here. I'm going to go with Kenny Logan Jr. I'm going to go Kenny Logan Jr. out of Kansas. Yeah, let's take a quick glance. 76-2, 60.2, 79.1, coverage grade of 84. Not a great run defend, uh, defender. It's forced in completion rate, though, 18.8%. That is elite right there. Okay. So that's interesting. Let's do it. Let's take a swing on him. Let's get us another safety. All right, Kenny Logan Jr. got him. Now let's see if Wally's there. This is a moment of truth. This is Jake. Big Shimmer. money, no whammy. Big money, no whammy. He's gone. Are you kidding me? We missed him, Jake. Sorry, bub. Hey, sounds like life to me, man. You know. Oof. Cornerback. Let's go. Offensive tackle. Let's tack on corner. Um, what else do we need? We said tight end. We said edge as well, right? So we go edge. We got our linebackers already. I think everybody's in the database. So best available we would be tackle right here. Um, Didn't I we take? What about interior offensive line? What about another guard or something? Let's take a glance here. I'm, I'm sitting here. What I'm trying to think is, like, who is our backup tackle right now? You know what I mean? Um, right. Here's a center out of Wisconsin. But, again, we drafted a center. So, it's like how many centers do we need on the team, right? Um, you got a couple of tackles. There's a tight end. I'm leaning toward tackle here. Um, yeah. Delmar Glaze, Maryland. Let's see. 71-5, 73-3, Great pass blocker. Not as good a run blocker. True, a true pass Set block is elite at 74.8. I say elite. It's not an elite grade, but you see the dot is in the blue. That just shows where he stacks up there. Played the majority of snaps at left tackle. So if Bach doesn't come back, you've got your left tackle, uh, your backup left tackle behind Rasheed Walker, and he can compete for a starting job too. That late in the draft probably just going to be a backup. But uh, let's see. Let's let's take one look at Anthony Belton. Grades aren't near as good, obviously. He played left tackle as well. True, true pass set pass block grade significantly lower too. Um good at zone, good zone grade, zone blocking. Where did Delmar Glaze come in at zone? Not as good zone, but a better pass better blocker. Run, better pass and run blocker, yeah. Let's go Delmar Glaze. All right. Draft. All right. So there you go. Let's uh grab our screenshot real quick. So we got this one in the books. That is how the draft laid out um let me go ahead and get the screen grab before i forget here real quick. donald krieger says three rookie safeties is definitely a choice <laughs> yeah well yeah huh? we, as it sits right now we've only got one safety on the roster so that's right um that's right and earlier we only drafted two safeties so that would uh signal that you're gonna have to use free agency to fill that safety room so um yeah yeah that's how that one laid out i like it though um not that i necessarily like the draft but it gives us more information on how the draft could fall so this draft compared to earlier what we got this draft we got three three of the four safeties we got that we needed we got one of the four corners we got all three offensive linemen we got our defensive linemen both linebackers um we got um our backup halfback we did not get tight end we did not get edge so and we only took one corner Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's we want safety heavy, linebacker heavy. And and what we're coming up here with here too, Tim. Let me go ahead and drop this down real quick. This is the thing that I'm noticing the most as well is 
So when we looked at free agency, right, and we went in and we kind of just did a quick scouting in free agency, the names that we came up with that we thought we would be interested in, we found three safeties we would potentially be interested in, one of which is Darnell Savage at $5 million market value, Geno Stone at $6.5 million, Alohi Gilman at two point seven. Seeing that the draft earlier today, we earlier the, the first PFF draft we did, we only got one corner. Right here, we only got one corner. We know the free agency is thin at corner. You might want to try to lean more on corner in the draft, seeing that the free market or the free agent market is a little light at corner. So that's kind of the information I'm coming away from this mock draft with. Unless you're a big fan of Stefan Gilmore, then you might feel otherwise. But yeah, and, and I'm cool, man. He can get everybody on the team his senior senior citizen discount. That would be awesome. But, uh, <laughs> I got to be real. I don't really. I, I, he's going to fall off the map any day now. Um, Just run I, that tape of Tay Wicks putting them in a blender. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, <laughs> that's all you need to see. All right. John Benson with the super chat. Appreciate you, John. Good to see you in here, buddy. He said, bad running back class. Uh, Tony Pollard would be a nice low dollar free agent. Is Tony Pollard really set to hit free agency? Because wow. I'm assuming he's talking about Tony Pollard. Um, because didn't they? I think they franchised him last year, if I remember correctly. If Tony Pollard hit free, you know what? I got to do. But it. he's right, though. I mean, Pollard would be a nice, oh, man. nice free agent for probably not a ton of money. I wouldn't but, think. I'm going to try to take a quick glance and see what his market value is if he is set to be a free. He is set to be an unrestricted free agent. Last year's cap hit was $10 million because they franchise tagged him. His market value is $6.5 million. So would we be willing to play, pay Tony Pollard $6.5 million? Let's take a quick glance at PFF and see what he did last year because I feel like he had a down year, but I could be wrong. Let me just take a look here. If you got anything else you want to hit in the chat, go right ahead, Tim. I'm gonna see if I can. Um, Jake Savink on the on the topic says uh, Pollard is a very all or nothing uh, type of runner. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I think that's a good description. Um, last year he had the seventh most carries in the league at 252 overall grade, 76.6 rushing grade, 83.9. Uh, receiving grade dropped down significantly. That's really interesting because that's kind of what he was known for is that that back that could catch the ball too. If you looked at his grades uh, career-wise starting in 2019, 82-9, 71-7, 86-2, 89-5, then drops to a 76.6. And <laughs> as it sits right now, he is – I'm trying to look for his age here. He's 26 years old. Oh, okay. so he probably get a couple more years out of him. John back in the chat. 6.5 milli? Nah, I was thinking three or four. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Tony Pollard came to the table and said, hey, y'all give me seven million? Uh, and, uh, yeah. and all of a sudden the phone doesn't ring anymore. Yeah. Okay. Our boy John responded with this. Stay <laughs> off the damn weed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So appreciate the super pat, John. Or super chat, John. I, I'd say, yeah, let's pass on him too. Um, I kind of agree with with Jake too. He's one of those guys. He might hit you a home run. He might, he might, you know, struggle significantly too. You know, uh, to me, I would rather have the back that's going to get you six to eight yards pretty consistently rather than the guy who's going to get stuffed a majority yeah. of the time, then hit a home run occasionally. Right? That's just me. I, it, it really can when you can't create consistency within your running game and specifically with the running back, you know, carrying the ball, it, it causes your offense to play off schedule. And that's when you can really get into making mistakes for sure. So um, there you go. Appreciate you, John. 
Uh, let's see here. So, um, Deadfish said it would be nice if one of the top five corners fell to us in the first. I completely agree, Deadfish. It just mm -hmm. hasn't happened yet, man. The way I've got them ranked in our mini draft, uh, mini draft, mini positional draft board is Quinion Mitchell one, Kool Aid McKinstry two, Cooper DeGene three, Nate Wiggins four, Terry and Arnold five and to the best of my knowledge tim on these two pff mock drafts we've done yeah they, none of those guys have fell so no. and do you see goody trading up to grab one i i don't i mean i'm not saying it's impossible but right, right i just don't know like if he trades up is he gonna go corner or safety i don't think so i think he, if he trades up he's probably gonna go what o-line or something or you know if he, if he trades up chances are it's tackle edge right tackle edge i don't think he's going to trade up and get a quarterback i doubt it um those are the two that come to mind for me tackle or edge is be what you'd be willing to trade up for i just don't see him willing to trade up for a corner yeah. and you guys know me i'm a boring fan man i'm team trade back every time you know i'm i'm trade back you're paying the player less you're picking up draft collateral unless it's a top tier talent and that's what we don't actually know about goody's board right uh, I feel comfortable saying that Lucas Van Ness, Van Ness last year was in their current current top tier of talent, but not necessarily that top tier. I feel like he was in that second to third tier uh, on everyone's draft board. But uh, Donald in the chat said um, Wicks may have broke Gilmore to look like it on that tape I watched earlier. My goodness, you know Rome Rome cut him up pretty nice too on uh, one of those routes. He was it looked like he was running a post, but he. He or no, he was running a. I think he was running a goal, like a nine or something. But he kind of he sold Gilmore on the inbreaker for mm -hmm. like he even looked back at Jordan Love. That was that and, sell route. Yeah, it's like he he looked like he was going to run a go, put his foot in the ground. It's like he got him convinced he was running a go, and then convinced him he was going to run a climber, a crosser, and then yep. brung it back with the sell. And yeah, he yeah, Gilmore was more confused than a fart in the fan factory, bro. He didn't know what was going on. It was one of my favorite routes of the year, man. Dobby, Dobby was on in that playoff game. You ever get depressed, guys? You ever feel bad? You just like, yeah, hey, just watch the Dallas game. highlights. Put, go to Game Pass and put Dallas back on, and just kick back with a little bit of bourbon and enjoy your evening. And if that doesn't work, uh, just Google uh, Dallas Cowboy reactions to that game. Uh, the cowboy fans uh, destroying their TVs and having meltdowns. That's <laughs> great joy as well. We wouldn't have it any other way, man. Um, yeah, there you go. All right, let's see. Uh-oh, did we take him? I guess we didn't. Jake Shavink said, perfect, Brian Thomas, let's go. I don't yeah, think we, uh, yeah. we drafted him. I don't know if we drafted him. Did we draft him, Tim? <laughs> I think we're in trouble with Jake. <laughs> it's probably when he cut the stream off. He went, these dummies. These big idiots right here. Um, let me delete this real quick and try to get that screen grab up here while I'm thinking about it, and then we'll wrap this thing up. We're way over on time anyway. I'm getting good feedback about us going over on the pods. People are going, don't don't cut it short. We like for it to to uh, to go a little over, but we also have wives that we've got to make sure that we're keeping happy. So, all right, did we get Brian Thomas? No, we did not. No, sorry, Jake. Jake. Hit me with it, Tim. Give me, give me the, give me the Family Feud. <laughs> yes, it was worth the delay. It was worth the delay. All right, let's get out of here, man. There's our draft as it sits tonight. Uh, we went Jackson Powers Johnson with the 25th pick, with the 41st pick. We got Tyler Newbin with the 57th pick. We went Cam Kitchens 
fix our safety room in one lick. Who knows? One of those guys might slide down and play the play the slot occasionally. It don't matter though because we got Jerry and Jones to play slot. Uh, we got Peyton Wilson, linebacker, to compete for that third linebacker in our four-three base when we're up against twelve and twenty-one and thirteen this year. Um, Tyler Davis, we took um, with the one hundred twenty-fifth pick. Um, that's a defensive lineman out of Clemson, not our tight end um, that was hurt last year. We didn't. Who? <laughs> one thirty-five. We took tackle Christian Jones out of Texas. Two hundred three. We took halfback Frank Gore Jr. I'm excited about that pick, man. That's twice now we've nabbed him. Something to look for, guys. That that may actually happen, right? Had a lot of zone ga- uh, zone scheme runs for sure. Um, pick two seventeen linebacker Darius Masal. I'm just going to call him Masal until I know how to say his name. Um, linebacker out of UCLA, and then you had a two nineteen safety Kenny Logan Jr. out of Kansas, and two forty six tackle Delmar Glaze out of Maryland. Tim, you got anything else to add? No, um, just the usual. Wash your hands, wash your butt, man. That's it. That's that's all. <laughs> That's the advice heading out the door, fellas. Wash your hands, wash your butt, all right? We're out of here. We'll see you guys in the morning for Good Morning Lambo. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Want to give a special thanks to our boy, John Benson. Thank you so much for the super chat, bud. We appreciate you supporting the stream, man, for sure. Oh, you marked the Eric Sutherland. Can I, can I put it up here, Tim? Yeah, it's clean. All right, it's clean. <laughs> Hell, the longer these shows are, the happier my wife is not having to deal with me. Eric Sutherland, there you go. <laughs> Eric, I appreciate that, man. That means more than you know. <laughs> Now you go save your marriage, buddy. All right, we're out of here. We'll see you all in the morning. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go, Pat, go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Yes, our YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the, with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not... To drive down on the first man to his inside. YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here, and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley.